We're not going back. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. Drop those chastity belts because this is Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 34, which begins with Max hoping he can bluff his way out of another sticky situation. And it ends with Ang Herod finally turning off the water hose. Joining us this week to help us discuss the finer points of highway robbery are returning guests, Caitlin, Karen, and Liz. Hey, thanks for having us back. Hello. Hi. Welcome back, ladies. Oh, thank you. Thanks so we- for not driving us away. We haven't quite reached the <laughs> ratio of characters in this minute. Like, I'm not good at math, but I think a 6 to 2 ratio doesn't quite equal out to a 4 to 1 ratio. But you know what? It's close enough. It's pretty close. And at the end of the day, what else can you ask for? Except for close enough. Something to clip off your really ugly chastity belt, I think. It's usually what I would ask for. It's a bold fashion choice, if it were a choice. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling kind of compulsory, as I'm assuming, I wouldn't say all chastity belts, but most of them, I would assume. Well, for some people, that's their kink, Karen. Well, but uh, most, yeah. But before we get to talk about, I say get to talk about, as if we're taking glee in this subject, but before we get to that point, we start off today's minute with Max laden down with the unconscious warboy and dragging the door of the car along with him. But he comes around the corner of the end of the war rig, and he is ready to hold these people hostage. And disappointment of disappointments, he's completely ignored. (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment the whole movie, because I've had an image in my head of the scene as he comes around, first sees the wives washing and taking a break. The image of the sirens in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, I love that. In the river, they're like washing their clothes. Yeah. In the same sort of attire, gauzy, wet, clingy drapery of clothing. Okay, so I have a confession to make about this particular scene. When this movie was being released and the trailer came up, this was one of the scenes they kind of led with, if if I remember correctly. And this scene in particular was the one that made me really not interested in seeing this movie. Because I, having had it been... Years and years and years, I saw Thunderdome on uh, Channel 56, so it was edited for television. I had never seen Rogue Warrior. I had never seen another Mad Max movie. And all of a sudden, they're bringing Mad Max back. And here are these gorgeous women in dripping, clingy, gauzy white outfits. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm all set. And then I had some very good friends of mine who were like, no, no, we are going to see this movie. And I am so glad that I listened to them because... Not only is this scene, like, unlike the scene from O Brother, where you see the sirens, and it's all very male gaze titillation, this, in context, and if you actually pay attention, like, like watch it the whole minute through, the only thing that gets that male gazy sort of, like, sexy appeal is the water. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. bring that up. On the surface, if you just look at stills of this minute, it is very male gazy. And you're like, oh, I'm not, this is kind of problematic. But if you watch it, you're right. It is male gazy, but not about the women. It's, it's about yeah. the water. It's using the same cinematic language, like the camera work. It's the same sort of focus and lingering shots 
that normally would be on like scantily clad women and their body parts. And it's not actually like their bodies are in the shots, but Max is definitely just thirsting over the water, like literally thirsting. <laughs> yeah. He even licks his lips a little bit at one yeah, point. Yeah. No, he is just like <laughs> thirsty AF, but actually for water. Actually thirsty <laughs> because hydration is important. Something that I like about that is that, yes, this idea of the male gaze is focused on the water, but the women are beautiful and sexy and pretty scantily clad. I think it proves to us that those things can coexist. We can have sexy women and not ogle them. It is possible. Yeah, well, it's like they are sexy, but we're not like intentionally hypersexualizing them. Like, this is not a sexy scene, right? I mean, it, it could be. But he comes around the corner, the music is really tense, and then it's just like, surprise, girls. But it's more like, <laughs> surprise, who knows there was that much water anywhere in the whole world. And oh my god, I'm so dehydrated and I've lost so much blood and I was just in a sandstorm with this crazy guy. I want someone on the internet to take this scene and make it just actually a love scene between Max and the water. I wanted to have the careless whisper <laughs> saxophone in the background and just slowly like slow motion of the water just like hitting the ground. There is an aspect of that. I had to watch them in a few times because I thought that Ang Harrod turned the water off a lot earlier than she did because the water kind of goes to the background while he and Furiosa are kind of looking each other up and down and then all of a sudden it comes back to the foreground. Like, yeah. it just turned on, and it's kind of that moment where Max is all of a sudden really focused. He has scanned the horizon, he has scanned his enemy, and he can go back to thinking about the water. Yeah, and I guess the same can be said for them, too. Like, they're all frozen, just sort of looking at him, not expecting it, and not knowing what's going to happen next. And then that moment of tension kind of moves on, and then it's like, oh, water, off. Yeah, what I like about this, though, is that even though there's this, like, big hulking dude with, like, his Hannibal Lecter mask... Hiding his, his like, pillow, pillow lips. And his, prob his lips. possibly what? dead dude handcuffed to his body is that they're just kind of, like, being... Even though at first it looks like they're a little bit nervous, they're kind of just standing by defiant. And the only words that we hear in this minute are... What's her name? Ang Harrod. Yeah. Aunt, <laughs> Aunt Harriet <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying, we're not going back. And I, Ang Harrod, I will remember, I swear, I won't, Aunt Harriet. <laughs> oh, you're right there. You're right there. You said it once. You said it you once. Ang Harrod, I know, twice, I got it. And got then it. you just say Three times a lady. Ang Harrod. That works. <laughs> there you go. Um, the, but yeah, I think that it's really kind of cool because, and we see this a little more later, that they're actually like pretty ferocious and ready to like fight but it is kind of cool that like the only words that we get here they don't even come from furiosa being like like go back <laughs> you know <laughs> there's nothing it's just cool one-liner yeah <laughs> the other thing i have a question okay which is can i reference the next minute in this minute oh sure just keep in mind that if you talk about it now you won't be able to talk about it later that's fine <gasps> there's no turning i back feel like there isn't as <laughs> there's I, no going back that's fine we're not going back well, okay, so what I will say is is that, so I didn't get to rewatch the whole film because nobody is streaming it for free. People are streaming it for money, but uh, anyway, so I didn't get to rewatch the whole movie. I did see it a million years ago in theaters, so I we got to the scene, and I was like, oh yeah, like, I know one of them is pregnant. Which one's pregnant? Which one's pregnant? And when I was watching it, the first several shots, it's not super clear who it is, and they don't actually make it a thing until the next minute. Because they focus very, like, 
there's a pregnant pause, if you will, ha. on her very pregnant <laughs> belly. <sighs> and the next, yeah, whatever. And the next minute. <laughs> and But, like, see how they kind of, like... She's at a distance. They don't ever really focus on it. There's a scene at one point where she's kind of like rinsing her face. Like it's, you can see it, but in the first long shot where he sees them, it's almost like they're, it's actually coming up right now. It's almost like they're blurring it. Like you really can't quite see what's happening there in terms of. Well, it's helped by the fact that she is of a certain complexion that she really does blend into the (laughs) sand in the background. Yeah, that's true. You know, like the coloring kind of just sort of washes her right out no pun intended considering this is the scene with the hose such a well-composed shot it is freezing it right now well one of the things i really kind of like is so this is the first time we see the wives right so the only thing we know about them is that they have told themselves or they have been told this is the first time we see them physically well because oh no no. a couple of like yeah we saw and during the chase because she crawled out of the tanker place and she's like oh we can't breathe down here and i'm like bad time Yes, but I mean, seriously. all of them together, and this is like the shot that, you know, we were talking about, you know, the, the loving, whatever. The only other, you know, introduction we've had to all of them is the painting on the wall that we are not things. And so I just kind of like the juxtaposition of now we get to see them. Yeah. And it's how easily this scene in another director's hands could have been objectifying. Oh, absolutely. When you think about, and this is not something I brought up today, but I've brought it up before on the podcast. Rosie Huntington Whiteley, she... Her last name is Whiteley. Yeah, but she got her start as a Victoria's Secret model, and she was discovered as an actress by Michael Bay because he was doing the commercials for Victoria's Secret. Mm. And when they needed a new girlfriend after Megan Fox was booted from the Transformers movie, guess who they got to be Shia LaBeouf's girlfriend, which is arguably the most unbelievable thing in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? Shia LaBeouf is a rich white man. He can get whoever he wants. Yeah, but... Sam Witwicky or whatever his name is, which I think I actually guessed it right on that first go. He's a total dweeb, despite the fact that he hangs out with Optimus Prime. Yeah, but he's a total dweeb in the way that, like, characters in movies are always dweebs. Like, how Andrew Garfield and Amazing Spider-Man, in spite of Amazing Spider-Man being a terrible movie... He was really charming. He's, like, really hot and cool, and, like, he understands tech, and, like, I don't know. Informed dweebiness. Are you saying that Shia LaBeouf is a legitimate enough attractive person to be actively dating a Victoria's Secret supermodel? I I I mean, I will die on that hill because until he started having like episodes, I am not famous. Yeah, but his let me say when he started getting to his more avant-garde art phase, oh, he could have gotten it. I love Shia LaBeouf so much. These are viewpoints that I do not normally hear, and this is exactly why we have guests on the show. <laughs> so I don't actually think Shia LaBeouf is, like, attractive, but, like, think about, like, every, and I don't mean this, like, to be as rude as it sounds, but like, look at every fat male comedian who's married to a supermodel. Like, it just really seems to not matter. I also consider those to be equally unbelievable, but Hollywood writing is Hollywood writing. M- Mr. LaBeouf, can I call you Shia? <laughs> 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 Mr. The Beef. Mr. I think the you beef. actually ha- have to call him actual cannibal. cannibal yeah. <laughs> what I also like about this scene is that, like, in the midst of this movie, which is, like, full of violence and horrible things and... F- <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't me. No, of course it was going to be me. Uh, and Morton Joe and horrible chastity belts that, like, you kind of have this quasi, like, innocent moment. It's like, even though... They're literally removing each other's chastity belts, and this is probably the most water they've ever seen in one place in their entire lives. 
There's just something like kind of sweet and innocent about girls like just getting the dust off of their travel weary selves and like having a little sip at the fountain and i don't know it's just it's very out of place especially considering that like 10 10 mad max minutes from now it's gonna be like flames shooting out of guitars and this is is kind of an idyllic scene like in a classical sense yeah if i may oh please please my my minor degree my degree minor. How how do you refer to that? I don't even know. It's just your minor. My minor. It? Yeah. it sounds weird. If you your minor, not <laughs> sure you can choose. Do you mind if I flex my minor? Is it like a twelve year old or like maybe someone Yukon with Cornelius? Next to you Chris Hansen, what are you doing here? No. <laughs> I'll have a seat over there. Um, oh no. I didn't want to go in this direction. Your but art like, history background, Liz. Thank you. Yeah. Show it to us. My my actual degree. But like, you know, you have this little cluster of three on the left, right? In this little freeze frame at, sec- at second seven. And there's even the way that the hose is being held so that the, the stream of the water is flowing. Like, it's this is like very like, you know, just a nice little composition here. And you have your little pool of water in the middle. And then the hose is connecting. And you have the other two. And then it connects again. You get into the truck. And there's Furiosa just whacking away at the truck which hey, is hey, my hey. favorite part of just like i'm just gonna hit it real hard well, she's got to shake the sand out no it's yeah. great no it's true like i know there's a function to it oh. but it still tickles me it is cathartic because like if if we were playing like mad max fury road the tabletop game <laughs> where do you think liz's character would be liz liz I, I would just be like i'm just gonna whack it for a bit i'm just gonna well, hang on i'm just gonna <laughs> quick question do you have to bleep that one out <laughs> i'm just gonna hit the truck now everything sounds like a euphemism. Oh, no. oh, Liz no. really likes the war rig, you guys. Oh, it is a very nice war rig. Ouch. I like trucks. Wow. And she cannot lie. No. Ah! You other wives can't deny. I got nothing. I'm not. No, I'm not going. No. Anyway. But yeah, no. Like this is. But like, so it's it's it, sort of it like he just seem, he turns has... he turns around the truck and he comes and he comes across the scene and it's almost like a fantasy, like a pastoral. Yeah, yeah it's like a he's happened upon yeah, was... some nymphs or something playing in a stream. Exactly. And we're back to the sirens. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels very like Roman or Greek. Exactly. Exactly. Old world classic. So and that kind of I mean I like how that leads into you know what we've already talked about like it's this sort of sets up. You know, it it's kind of a feint, you know, it fakes you out. You're just seen with these beautiful ladies. And, you know, this is where, like, your typical action here would be like, oh, <laughs> um, he'll be in my truck. Witty, snappy one-liner about sexy ladies. Except that's <laughs> not it, because Max doesn't, doesn't roll like that. He's just tired and thirsty and having a bad day And he again. doesn't have words yet. No, he just... <laughs> yeah. Like the janitor that, I, that used to be at the... <laughs> when, I, when I worked at the, at the college... And one thing I really appreciate about this is that the wives are doing very utilitarian things. They're washing the dust off because they just drove through a sandstorm, which arguably they were hiding in the tanker the whole time. They really had it the most easy as far as being sandblasted is concerned. But I digress. These women are used to living in a climate-controlled dome. You get out into any sort of dusty environment, they're going to be like, ah, must be clean. Well, it it might not even be that. It might just be the utilitarian of washing the citadel off of themselves. That's a good point. This is their first real taste of freedom. They're going to wash that man right out of their hair. But they're doing it in such a way that they're just doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not playing it up for the camera. In, like you said, Karen, earlier... Other directors would handle this in a different way, where here it's like, okay, I need to wash this filth off of me. I'm not putting on a show for the other people, because it's not that type of situation. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things that I've noticed we're still frozen at second seven is the Dag the only one with shoes or does Capable also have on boots? I think Capable also has shoes. Which I makes think me it's, wonder, it's, did they, were they allowed shoes at the Citadel? Because those oh, look like Warboy why? why would they shoes. have shoes now? Yeah, no, they probably stole them on their way out. Well, those, those like boots in particular don't look like they go with the rest of her ensemble. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of the... Barefoot uh, and pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. Joe's harem was the typical Irish household. Oh. oh. I'm, not, I'm not Irish enough to touch I, that. I'm afraid. <laughs> my, my grandmother was Irish, so... Or at least had an Irish maiden name, so... Uh, well, I've had a little Irish in me, but uh, I'm not... Wow. Only a little? That's a shame. Uh, well, you know what they say about Irishmen. <laughs> Goodness, this took a turn. I've, I've okay, just been hitting the truck, guys. For a second, it sounded guys. like you were like, oh, jeez, oh, it took a bit of a turn, didn't it? That's oh, what I, yeah. For a second, it sounded like you were like, oh, it took oh, a turn. Oh, oh, it took a turn. I, oh. okay. I only do one Side Irish note. accent, and it is an impression of a friend of mine, and I don't know that she would appreciate it. <laughs> Side note, Rick sent me... a. Uh, Valentine's bouquet at work, and in the card he wrote, "It's not the size of the bouquet that matters; it's how you use it." That was my Valentine's gift. How do you use a bouquet? Oh, you know what they say: you have a delivered small to work taters in front of make the else. steak look how. bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. don't give me that look. <laughs> hey, you washing off some dust there? I'm just gonna hit the truck for a bit. So, <laughs> so the other thing that I didn't notice before until we watched this minute on repeat over and over and over again is I don't think I realized that they all had chastity belts because we only really see the dag remove the one. But in the background, you can actually see that the other wives have had theirs removed. There are enough of them on the ground for all of them to have been sporting one, which I thought Are was there enough of them? I spotted two on the ground plus the one actively being cut off. I thought there were like, I thought there were like four. Because there's two. There's one, yeah, there's two, two there. Two, three. Three is on the body. So that would be, oh, maybe. Or, or wait, is that two on the right? Is that one or two? I think there's at least three within sight. There's probably another two. There's a little pile of cloth here. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I might sort, be hiding something. I sort of wonder, though, why put one on the pregnant one? Right. Well, oh, okay. You can still, still have sex with a pregnant woman. Well, that's true. But you but can't Think of her. the chafing, this poor woman. He doesn't no, okay. care. Not, he doesn't are we going to talk about the chafing mm. now? Because I believe that George Miller is a medical doctor, right? Yes. There is nothing about any of this that does not scream yeast infection to me. Mm. And I've been having a problem with it the entire goddamn time. <laughs> they do have a caretaker. That's true, but... And oh, I'm willing to Christ. bet that she is a skilled gynecologist as well. Mm. Because in order to keep them worthy of being with Joe, they need to be kept gynecologically healthy. Barf. Can you just imagine, though, like, that's the one takeaway you've got? Well, I live in a nightmare hellscape, and I'm married to that... <laughs> But at least I have good medical care. At least my hey, listen, we live in this hellscape, and we don't have good medical care. Oh, yeah. God. Their gynecologist doesn't have a copay. <laughs> she's paid in water. She probably also doesn't have real medicine. She's probably got... <laughs> Again. She's probably got, I got what? She's probably got she's leeches. Probably got she's probably got leeches or something. This will fix that. Get those leeches out of here. She sure as heck doesn't have any rubber gloves or a speculum. Well, oh, I'm actually, oh, no, right. she might have a speculum. Oh, God, don't say it. 
I'm, I'm sure they do, I'm but I'm sure that's that... like another town. Like that's Bullet Town has all the speculums. No, stop! Why okay, are you saying that? she Why may have speculums. Oh God! <laughs> but probably not the ability to sanitize them. Does she have a really, really warm big one up. asking for a friend? I mean, water and fire is all you really need. Uh, and they have a guitar really that shoots fire. So clearly. do you really think she's going to go through the effort? Yeah. She's, what else are they? No, because if one of them gets six because she's messing around, Joe would probably kill her. Kill yeah. the hell out of her and then eat her, probably. Like, they literally have nothing else to do but sit around. Like, she, and her warm job up is speculums. a take. Is a, oh, God. Just, yeah. just stop. Just, <laughs> but, like, all she has, all her only concern is to take care of the girls. Yeah. Like, that is yes. literally it. And someone else is, is, like, she's probably not the one who's cooking their food. She's probably not the one who's, like, I don't know, changing their bed sheets or whatever. She's, like, just, she's the just the one no, they're who they're keeps all of their lady parts clean and probably shaven and make sure that they their legs are shaved. Probably. I just feel like that's seem, all she does. They seem bare. Yeah. Well, she's, she, does, she does hair removal, yeast removal. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm oh trying Lord. to think. Hair, Specu- yeast, and something warming. Karen, I will murder you. <laughs> We're, what, is she also a wet nurse? We're all assuming no. that no. it's... there's a whole room full of wet nurses. We're all assuming that it's Miss no, Giddy who does all of this, this stuff, but mm. what's more likely the case is that it's the organic mechanic. Yeah. That's also true. Which that is, is equally horrifying. because he is not clean. Thank you for saying that name, though, because that is one of my favorite names in this movie. Yeah, I really... The organic mechanic. I guarantee you that the organic mechanic does not warm up the speculum. One thing that the organic mechanic does do, and you can thank Mark Sexton and his uh, comic book for this, he provides Joe with injections so that he can perform his quote-unquote husbandly duties. Oh, thank uh, goodness that survives. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, Mark. So You Gross. still haven't read that comic book, I so have you not. might want to skip that panel. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I... That kind of graphic novel? Well, you only see his butt, but you still see oh, Immortan Joe's see naked butt. But all right, I when I butt. think of Immortan Joe and his naked butt, all I can think of was that movie that Hugh Keys Burns was in. Is was it Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. With Laura Moon, who played Laura Moon, the woman who played Laura oh, Moon, and American Gods. Head? Yeah, yeah, her, Emily Browning. Yes. Emily Browning. I'm pretty yes. sure. Yes. And the women get like sedated, so they're just asleep. Because that's how the men like it. Ugh. And in his scene, when he was in bed with her, she's like completely asleep and she's just dead weight. And he like doesn't know how to handle her or something. And she's just flopping all over the floor. That's uh. all I think of when I think of Immortan Joe or Toe Cutter, Hugh Keysburn at all having sex. is just poor Emily Browning flopping all flopping over the bed the and the floor. Boneless Chicken Ranch, Emily Browning. <laughs> You're welcome for that mental image. Well, that's horrifying. <laughs> I'll be here all night. Well, actually, though, that makes sense, though, because it is sort of like a breeding thing, right? So that's, yeah. 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 And all of it is just yickety yuck. It's just repulsive. Yes. Okay, I'm not going to defend the idea of a breeding harem at all, but in our world of fertility clinics, both partners go through a lot. Oh, yes. To be able mm. to have children. And if it requires injections to get the job done, that's what happens. This is true. It's less the medicalization of procreation that bothers me. And it's more that when people do that sort of stuff, they're both ostensibly, we hope, on board. And that <laughs> this, it's just, I have got chastity belts with flames on them. And teeth. Yeah, we've definitely reached that portion of the minute. And I will say, one of the things I did learn about the comic book is that the reason they're wearing these chastity belts is because Rictus mm-hmm. 
Rictus to, Erectus? Yeah, Rictus is starting to overstep his bounds and try and sneak into the vault, which is part of the reason that Furiosa was put in there in the first place, because she was the Imperator that Joe trusted to keep Rictus out and also not mess around with the wives, which, in hindsight, considering that she underwent this little mission to take them away permanently, kind of backfired on him. But hey, that's a good thing, because Joe is gross. But these things... The chastity belts were specifically designed to stop what is essentially a mountain of muscle and ego, or id, or whatever the thing is. It's the, the animalistic it, part it, of the brain. It is the baser part of the Yeah. Brain. Rictus is the id. <laughs> What's the uh, higher it's, thinking? Uh, super ego. The super ego is Corpus Colossus, mm. and the ego is the... That is the self. That's just the... That's the self. That's that, was probably, that was probably Scabrous Scrotus. Who we never get to see. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, the third son the that doesn't game. feature in the movie. Mm. He was reserved for the video game. Which I still have to play. Something that you learn from that bit of backstory that Furiosa was put in charge of them to protect the wives from Rictus. Joe has already protected the wives from being impregnated by somebody else with the chastity belts. So what Furiosa was put there to do was to protect them as a whole, to protect their bodies. Because you can enjoy a woman's body in other ways than, you know, that are protected by the chastity belt. There's more to do. The chastity belts are there for, I believe Fertility. the term is, uh, paternity certainty. Yes. So Joe was concerned with more <laughs> yes. than just paternity certainty. Mm. He viewed them not only as his breeding brood, but also his... Playthings. His property? Yes. Which is something that we will hear him shout once we get through the canyon scene with the rock rider. He will, in blatant black and white, shout about how they are his property. I think he's specifically talking to the baby inside of Ang Herod. Yep. But it extends. As we talked about when Joe went into the harem itself, they sprayed right out on the wall, we are not things. So you could say that, yes, these chastity belts are for paternal certainty, but also... Mm -hmm. He's dehumanizing them. He's basically putting a bicycle lock so that no one else can ride the bicycle. Yeah. I just have this image of him leaving the room and pushing a button and that car alarm noise making. Which is terrible. <laughs> and why they don't allow me to make these kinds of movies. <laughs> or any movies, really. Great job, Karen. We're proud of you. Imagine being the last one that gets their belt cut off. Yeah, how did she draw that short straw? Well, I like that in terms of... Oh, wait, no, maybe I'm wrong. It, cause it, that you don't yeah. like that? No, no, I do. I do like... I like that she's the last one because later in the movie, she's the one the most reticent. Hmm. Well, Cheeto is the youngest out of all of them. She's also the one that hasn't yet been touched. Ooh. So she is the newest in the brood? The harem. 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 Is... Yeah, harem works. <laughs> I don't know. It feels less gross somehow, yeah. slightly. Slightly. We'll probably talk about this when we get to it, but one of the reasons that Cheeto is her name, you would think that Cheeto would be the red-haired one, but not everyone, I Cheeto guess, has the same D. snacks. But one of the major reasons that she is so willing to run back to Joe is because all she's ever known is, okay, we live in a protected dome, we have clean water, we have book learning, we have all these nice things. She hasn't yet had the experience of a span of time with Joe. But I really, I completely agree with that. But there is something very collusion, anti-feminist about her. 
Well, I think it's a good. She's. I mean, if we want to, we want to talk about feminist metaphor. But like, she's <laughs> she is the least wronged of the five so far. It's a matter of time what, oh, yeah. if they were to stay there. But like, she has not yet had the experiences that might push her past the brink where she'd be like, "Yeah, no, it's not worth staying. It's not worth the question." The, you know, she, the clean. she has found happiness in her slavery, as of this scene, right? So her thus far she's just she's not her eyes aren't opened enough yet to to what horrors await her and that it was only a matter of time until everything would start to just bear down on her yeah but so one of the things that I like so now we've stopped at second 49 mm-hmm. and one of the things that i really love about this is exactly what we get out of like the personality of the dag because max has the gun up the gun is aimed at furiosa and the dag has still been like, you know what? I am still going to stand here in boots that are clearly are not mine. <laughs> boots that I have stolen from somebody else. And I'm going to cut this chastity belt off my sister. And you have a gun and I don't care. And I think that that's just it very just just right in that moment. We get so much about the dag just in her. She has absolutely no F's left to give. And I just dug that. While we're stopped here, as I continue to look at compositions. This is kind of a nice comparison at what second forty nine compared to second seven, where second seven you had that idyllic scene and it was all hazier. Mm. In this moment, the dust has cleared. This is a crisp shot, and the scene that he was an outside observer, where he was like a voyeur, that was a very voyeuristic shot. Here, it's just like there, everything is stopped, and they are just looking right at him. And now is when we notice that the water is still pouring out of the hose. Whoops. I kind of like, and this is probably me just like overthinking this scene. Do it. But I think that you've got four of the five wives, each, you know, two paired up leaning against each other. You've got Furiosa, who is just a bad bitch. So she's got like her actual physical strength. Like we know that she's amazing. And then we've got uh, Aunt Harriet on the, on the, on Harrod, Ang Harrod, Ang Harrod. We've got Ang Harrod on the left and, um, and I, again, I'm overreading, but like she's got mother's strength. Like she has something else to fight for. She's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't well, know how to explain it beyond that. I don't have words. Well, she's but I just feel like put it on the ground. And normally, I mean, whereas Toast has one like leg kind of bent in that, you know, way that you mm. always have like female characters. Ang Harrod. They're like n- slouching against each other. Yeah. Like, but Ang Harrod is standing on her own two feet. And I mean, straight backed, defiant. Yeah. Like, she has something to fight for. Like, they're kind of, like, seeking each other, and she's like, I gotta get this baby out of this terrible, horrible life. And she also just stands tall as a leader. Like, she, this is kind of establishing her without yet without yet really getting to know them well, just yet. And is that some of the resentment on the part of Cheeto? Like, is it because she's the pregnant one, she's probably the... You mean Ang Harrod? No, I'm talking about Cheeto's oh, talking about being reticent. Is it because Ang Harrod is pregnant and therefore probably like most favored most like cared after like is that part of it that like she used to be the baby sister the new one so she was probably special because she was the new plaything for a while but now you've got someone who's actually gonna bear the air and suddenly that has shifted well looking at pregnant women in our own society and speaking personally in my office of about 10 women we now have two pregnant women they are treated differently Mm. They are treated more gently. They are cared for. We go out of our way to make sure there's no weird smells. We don't bring weird things in for lunch. We take the trash out way more often because smells, again, 
they get whatever breaks they need. We coddle them. And it's definitely part of our society that we look at pregnant women differently. They are to be protected and uplifted and cherished. Do we think that any of the wives, obviously not Cheeto, do we think any of them have had children before? Because we know that he's mm. had a lot of kids. In fact, there's a question I will ask later. So oh, yeah. there is a rule in the Citadel when you are one of Joe's wives, and we've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because it's equally horrifying. Joe has a three strikes and you're out rule. If you do not bear a viable heir within three attempts, you're thrown from the top of the Citadel. Oh. So when by but viable meaning who, survives, or but viable not meaning perfect. or meaning it takes, meaning pregnancy happens. Which so viable? three months, three cycles, or three pregnancies? Three pregnancies and three oh. births. So if a wife okay. bears a child and that child either doesn't survive the birthing process or it's deformed in such a way that Joe is unsatisfied, and that happens three times without a good heir, then poof, they're out. It's interesting Yowza. because of what I understand of Furiosa's background. Yeah. Furiosa, when she was brought in, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but she was, I guess, auditioned as a wife, and she didn't make it. She, I think, is either barren or something like that. that was yeah, what I think I she's read. barren. But she was barren. impressed enough by her strength that he made her an Imperator instead of tossing her off the Citadel. I'm not quite exactly sure how it happened, and it hasn't been shared because, and I think they're being really coy about this, they are throwing the idea around that they could do a Furiosa-themed prequel, mm -hmm. talking about her history, how she lost the arm, and all of that stuff. Yeah, before any of that stuff came out and it was just the movie, I was kind of under the assumption that she couldn't be a wife because she was missing an arm. Like, that that was like a congenital thing and not a, we, you know, you lost it in, I don't know, a trucking accident or however. It's Fury, it's Mad Max. You could lose yeah. limbs all sorts of ways. I think the problem was yeah. much more genital than congenital. Oh. That was well, that was well played. Uh, <laughs> He's so proud of himself right now. <laughs> don't encourage do you take a take a moment. Disgusting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also kind of like as we're still looking at this frozen thing, how well Furiosa blends into her truck. Yeah, she really does. The wives you can now see definitely now that now as Liz pointed out the dust has settled. But Furiosa is still like she really is very well camouflaged. Yeah, she's she's very uh she's very color coordinated with her truck, complete with sand. But the ruching on her top is driving me crazy. Yeah, okay. it's, it's really ugly. It's asymmetrical ruching, and I just cannot abide. Asymmetrical is totally in now in the post-apocalypse. <sighs> I think having clothes that you can actually cover yourself with is probably what's really in in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Like, well, we killed everybody that made clothing, so good luck <laughs> staple gunning your shit <laughs> together. That's, that's from Craft that's Town. One. Yeah. And Craft Town is far away. And oh, no. Craft Town. <laughs> and as much as I love to think of uh, New Zealand covered in giant, woolly, mutant sheep, people keep shooting that idea down, saying, no, the sheep wouldn't be woolly. They'd be woolless, and they'd be awful, tumor-ridden, no. awful things. I'm convinced but... this is just Australia. No. The rest of the world is fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like in the... No, and not even, not even fine, but like in a ridiculous, like, pastoral, like... New Zealand has sheep, and they're adorable, like the woolly sheep that, like, jump over 
fences in your dreams so you can get a good night's sleep. Like, there, this is literally just one part of... It's not even all of Australia. It's just, like, one little tiny part of Australia. Everyone else is fine. I have to believe that because otherwise it's too sad. <laughs> this is actually just the Truman Show post-apocalyptic this is, version. This is how I've turned into my mother. No, no, no. I will find a silver lining in everything. Everyone else is fine. I'm sorry the apocalypse is so sad. The apocalypse is so sad. One thing that I wanted to toss in because I'm like this. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I think nice. it's about, uh, let's see, about the 15 second mark. That's where we cue the needle drop on the drowning pool song. <laughs> yeah. As- Nux hits oh. the ground like a ton oh, of bricks. And that's how he announces himself. That's yeah. what's great. That's it's like he knows that's going to get their attention. Yeah, like Max walks in the scene expecting to be the center of attention because he he's a, a white male. He's a god, too. <laughs> he's uh, also carrying a car door and a... Uh, which, which I didn't even notice at first, but it makes sense because you're not going to take the time to unweave Nux from the car. I mean, honestly, yeah, it was either take the door or rip off Nux's arm, probably. Well, so. and he certainly he, tried. He, yeah, yeah, he tried to shoot off Nux's wrist. It didn't go so well. Lucky for Nux. Though, I mean, I would think taking an extra few seconds to weave him through would be, you know, a bit more bearable than carrying a car door with you. Yeah, although. But- <laughs> It's not through the window. The chain is not through the window. There is an access oh. hole that the chain is through. So the window That's wouldn't why. even be helpful. Okay, you're right. But I love the idea of, in a different movie, there would be this weekend at Bernie-esque <laughs> sort of thing that happened. You like, mean like... Put, you put mean your like hands he, up. There are two of us, and we, too, will yeah. will steal from you. He'd, be, he'd still be behind the truck right now and just sort of, like, lean nucks in, like, hey, guys. <laughs> What are you doing? Hello, my rag. He's got a chain and he's using him like a little marionette thing. He's climbed up on top of the fuel pod and he's just marionetting him from Home Alone when Kevin is trying to fake out the robbers. That's how they're going to actually take over the Citadel. I'm going to spoil the movie for the people who are waiting for the minutes at the end. It's really just Nux (laughs) in front of a screen (laughs) and they're just marionette. And he's like, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz managed to take over a city. Yeah, a city full of idiots, by the way. Like, he just (laughs) shows up like, "Uh, so I'm a wizard. And they're like, perfect. You're hired. And he's like, what? (laughs) You you say that, but I mean, governments have been built on less. In the Wizard of Oz book, the Emerald City is Emerald because everybody wears green glasses. I know. What is that? It's like it's not even the Emerald City. It's it's a cheap parlor trick, and he's the one behind it. Wait, it's the Emerald City because everyone's wearing the same. Everyone wears green glasses. So when you get there, they give them to you. It's actually just crystal. It's a crystal city, and everyone wears green glasses. So if it were like an Elton John esque city, would it be like like the city would be like feathers? Yes. Yes. Also, that I would go live in that city. <laughs> but that that but would all be a lie. That does explain a lot about that scene in The Wiz when they just you know like you never seen The Wiz. Oh my I would, god! I would love something that would explain The Wiz. Holy crap! <laughs> okay, y'all are heathens because the The Wiz is amazing. Um, and when they get to the Emerald City, like everyone's dancing around and everything's just, uh, you know, bright and it, I assume it starts green. I can't remember too well, but then, you know, Richard Pryor's voice comes on. It's like, no, the, co- the color that's in is now gold. And suddenly they're like, everything is gold. 
Like, it's sort of like... Oh, yeah, that does explain it. Yeah, it's kind of like writing that whole idea of, like, everyone's going with the color because that's the color that they're that they're told to go with. That that makes me think of yes. the movie In the Mouth of Madness, where they finally get to Sutter Kane, and he's like, my favorite color is blue. And then Sam Neill opens his eyes, and everything is blue. Am I the only one who has seen this movie? Yes. Yes. Oh, damn it. Listeners, go watch In the Mouth of Madness if you like. Okay, but watch The Wiz first. Go watch In the Mouth of Madness <laughs> and The Wiz. And then The Wiz <laughs> at the feature. same time, especially oh. if you play Pink Floyd's The Wall in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the Mad Max Minute is not responsible for any nightmares. <laughs> this message not brought to you by. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> I actually did that once with The Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, really? Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's it was... so easy to do now that YouTube is a thing. No, and... I did it for real. We yeah. actually hit play on the on the movie and the CD, but yes, you're right. I, I mean, the CD. Them together. For me to pull out my walker and put my old man glasses on for a moment, kids these days Are they just glasses? don't know They don't appreciate the how hardship. easy they've got it. No, it's true. Of getting that timing just right to hit play when right the lion when the is roaring Right when the second lion roar, like yep, that. yep. Yeah. Damn kids. Another note that I had about this minute, it's not the first time in the series that we've seen someone washing themselves, but unless I missed it in Thunderdome, it's the first time we've seen it since the original movie, when Max gets home from his long weekend at work, right after the initial chase. He takes a shower, and Jesse is toweling him off, and that's the last time that I can think of that we see someone washing themselves in a Mad Max movie. I really like that you bring that moment up, because now that I've got classical imagery on my brain, that also feels very classical imagery. Very Greek, very Roman. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of washing in Greek art. Yeah. They like to be clean. It was just their... Yeah, they did like to be clean. Well, the, and so, oh, the so Romans, dirty at the same time. The Romans especially. The Greeks. Greeks are filthy bearded monsters. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's so unhygienic, and Max has like a central line in, and there's IV tubing, and I just, yeah. oh, it bothers me. Anyway, sorry. Because he still, yeah, he, yeah, he still, still has little... the central line in. He it's, has taken it out. Yeah, he's, oh, pulled, has the, he's pulled the needle out. Oh, it's, it's still just, hanging. It's just hanging on his shoulder oh, now. Okay. Yeah. Still got so the blood rough. in it. But <laughs> Nux does still have his central line in. Well, after all of the vigorous shaking that well, Max did to God, the manacle. I wiggled out. That's going to bruise so bad. You don't yeah. want to wake up with that, and it's been yanked around. and uh, Everything is uh, dirty, and they've got needles. Uh. <laughs> Sterile method, people. Anyway. That's the real post-apocalyptic horror right there. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Staff yes. infections? Yes. Yeah, the staff infections don't get you the war boys will? Uh, yes. Maybe. But that pretty much brings us to the end of the minute. Before we wrap for today... Is there anything that you all would like to plug? Any upcoming projects, current projects, places on the internet you want people to go to? Now is your time. I only have my Twitter feed that I occasionally... And I actually just got called out today by someone because apparently I'm not posting the Twitter often enough. But I'm at Hollywood Fat Cat. Sometimes you'll find me there. I'm on Twitter a, a lot. I apologize for the uh, Moonbat liberal screeds that i will oftentimes go to on on that if you would like to hear my opinions on the upcoming ghostbusters movie you can follow me at older than latvia on twitter Mm. and that's gonna go over like a lead balloon (laughs) i'm almost never on twitter but if i am it's usually because i'm retweeting posts by chris caesar so i'd recommend you just follow chris caesar (laughs) at chris caesar (laughs) because that's all i do on twitter However, I am featured every week or most weeks on uh, Star to Steer Her By, which is a Star Trek podcast. And coming up soon, I have an appearance on the Unreliable Narrator podcast as well. 
It's been nice to have you back, Caitlin, because as our longtime listeners will remember, because you had an overlapping obligation last time we recorded, you were declared dead to us, and you are now alive to us. Oh risen. no, I was dead to you? you? I mean a little. You lived, you died, and now you live again. So wow. you get we're, that full war boy treatment. We're witnessing you. Thanks. Shiny and chrome. Actually, shiny and chrome. Yeah, some shiny. <laughs> I had to talk to a crazy woman at work for like 10 minutes about how great my hair was today. And I was just like, yeah, thanks. And she's like, no, let's talk about it more. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, but how did you get it that color? I'm like, I told you I paid someone. I don't know how she did it. (laughs) Chemicals, magic. I have no idea. The next time she says it, what you have to say is Easter egg dye. I just honestly hope that I never see her again. It was really (laughs) awkward. It's awkward to talk about how great your hair is for a long time. Because it's just like. Thanks. I I used to like it. Now I regret every choice I've ever made in my life. So thanks for that. Speaking of awkward situations, we are going to come back on Wednesday. And Herod is going to let Max get a drink of water. Nux is going to remain unconscious. It's (laughs) what he's doing best. And the Dag is going to try and pass off her bolt cutters. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 34, Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>